What is up, good people? Welcome back to The Mourner's Bench, a podcast by Theolab Media. I'm Brandon Thomas. I'm KT Ricks. I'm Malcolm David. I'm Pastor Sam. And today, we've thrown our plan out the window. We'd planned to release our conversation with the Reverend Dr. Lisa Weaver about the church and the pandemic, but after the inauguration, we decided to go ahead and have a special altar call, inauguration edition, if you will, while it's all still fresh. So get ready for a full-length episode with nothing other than an altar call. But before that, a few quick announcements. Next Tuesday, tune in for our conversation with Lisa Weaver on how the church is handling COVID-19 and whether or not the church has been faithful in its responses to the pandemic thus far. Then tune in for something special. We're going to return to our first episode ever and revisit that conversation. It'll be a little bit of a reintroduction to the podcast of sorts. We want to be clear about who we are, what we value, and what our hopes are for this podcast, Theolab Media, and the new content heading your way this year. We'll get into more of that next week to hear fresh takes on this podcast and the church. Tune in next Thursday for that conversation. So now let's turn our attention to the matter at hand. Donald Trump has run off to Florida with his tail in between his legs. He couldn't even show up for the inauguration. He's incited violence and mutiny among some of his followers, but nevertheless, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. has still been sworn in as the 46th president of the United States and my new MVP Kamala Harris or Kamala if you're Sonia Sotomayor will get to that later has been sworn in as the 46th vice president of the United States now the inauguration was great but there was also some messiness there were a few messy parts before we get into the mess what did you appreciate about the inauguration one of the things that I liked was the I, I think this this generation would call it like slayage from folks like Michelle Obama from yes. folks like the MVP Miss Kamala Harris uh, Brandon, I see that you got the email, the communication about wearing purple. Yes, uh, honey. Because you have on your purple as a nod to Shirley Chisholm. And, I do. You know, so, and I do. see Katie, you got on your chucks. And nobody has pearls. David, uh, Malcolm, wear your pearls. I'm so sorry. I left them in the drawer. <laughs> yeah, I got the memo, honey, because Michelle Obama came out there looking like a purple Cruella DeVille, honey. She had oh. made the day. I said, come on here with your side soup. If you do a side by side between the last inauguration in this one when I tell you Michelle Obama woke up and rolled out of bed and put her head in a messy bun when Donald Trump was being elected that's what she did I'm gonna tell you what happened. Let me let me tell you what happened. They were so disgusted by Trump the last time. She was like, "I'm not even putting any effort into this." But she looked at the pictures after that, and she said, "Lord, have mercy." And so she made sure she was on point for this inauguration. But she looked good enough for two inaugurations. Yes. So she looked good or for three. Michelle looked good so. anyway. But the issue is, all of these little paparazzi have been trying to shoot uh, pictures of her and Barack Obama all around the world. Have y'all seen that picture where Michelle? Obama sitting up there kayaking with Barack. Yes. Yes. I, I have not oh. seen that. You need to send me it that. It is not a flattering picture, but I still love you, Michelle, <laughs> and I still love you, Barack. And Michelle said, y'all can do that if you want to. I'm about to come with this big old nasty side swoop and these big old nasty locks of love, and I'm going to serve and slay for the gods. And she did every <laughs> single bit of that. She did. So she I put did. on purple in honor of Michelle Obama, not Hillary. <laughs> Because Hillary was big mad, honey. Hillary was sitting over there big mad. <laughs> I also really liked uh, Lady Gaga's brooch. <laughs> you did not like Which, that. <laughs> no. 
Listen, I thought that was Hunger Hunger Games Games for a second. I said, that heifer thought she was Katniss. She said, if they come up here trying to stage a mutiny today, I'm going to be Katniss Everdeen. I'm going to take my gold, (laughs) my my gold brooch, and then my gold microphone with like the Wonder Woman cord. Listen, I did like the excitement. Like Lady Gaga is like one of the household names that you can find in music, but she was like giddy. She was like a kid at this inauguration excited to be asked to sing in this space and I, I, I kind of like this that. is the what we like section so I'm going to be nice but I will just lean into the messy just a little bit and say the the kid metaphor really stands out for me I like that because in many ways she was like a kid who was too giddy to be singing because that there was no oil in that performance I said ma'am you are here to sing you brought your own <laughs> microphone up here you took the time to bring your own microphone you didn't use the microphone everybody you didn't use the COVID microphone I'll get to that COVID microphone in a minute you used your own gold microphone to match your gold raptor claw brooch and you did not sing but out of the messy what did we enjoy what do we appreciate about the inauguration man the highlight for me by a country mile was amanda gorman's poem she did the damn thing with that poem i was talking to a friend and uh, she jokingly said i don't know if that was a poem or a speech i just got to the place yesterday where i started to appreciate poems that don't rhyme and i guess it can still be a poem. <laughs> but she did that because um well i'll get well i'll save that for later i was going to talk about how you know the black woman had to come in there and clean everything else up that went wrong but that's i'm st- it's so hard to stay out of the messy there was so much to talk about that was messy anything else we enjoyed and appreciated <laughs> I did enjoy um, the use of scripture to throw shade, particularly that weeping may endure for a night. But joy. Particularly that Biden was saying Trump represented the night and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. But the morning is here. Joy cometh in the morning. So uh, I appreciated that as a Baptist preacher. To borrow Brandon's terminology, I needed him to have a little more oil when he was saying that as well, though. Because oil, because like you were saying, you were texting that he was like a preacher, and I'm like, that man don't believe what he's saying. I mean, I think he does, but you couldn't tell. He is Catholic, Katie. He is Catholic. Exactly right. I'm sorry try- about my yeah. Them Catholics, them Catholics ain't try- got the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That do not teach preaching. <laughs> Brandon, you can't say that. <laughs> what you mean I can't say that? They got the Pope. <laughs> they ain't got the ghost, they got the Pope. They better know the difference. I appreciate it. And this is, I think this is the cheesy pomp and circumstance stuff, but I appreciated the fact that the office of the president, the people who were presidents before came in, they were talking to each other, Clinton, Obama, even George Bush, who now seems like a a decent president in reflection, but that they were engaged with one another and talking with one another. and, And so I appreciated that part of it. Just to witness, I've read some of them say before, you know, we're the only ones who understand the full depth or gravity of that position. And so Trump is is truly an anomaly in in the fact that he's not willing to engage in collegial um relationship and so I see that you trying to take it somewhere that I'm not trying to go this has to be another episode but I will just say I think Trump is the realest motherfucker out there <laughs> like at the end of the day if like it's all like I think that part of my frustration 
so what I appreciated about um, this is not actually an appreciation. I'm just trying to frame it as such so that it can go in this section. Like what I appreciated is that this was yet another opportunity for us to act like we can just go on and be about the business that we've always been about, which is actually faking the funk. Like today didn't erase Donald Trump. Today didn't erase the last four years. Today didn't erase the fact that George Bush was actually a pretty shitty president. Like all of that's not erased just because y'all came and played nice for one day. Like that's peak whiteness. But I appreciated the fact that this gave people who desire such an opportunity to lean into that since we're being appreciative. My intent is not to whitewash it. At the same time, I think that is an opportunity to point the people who are going to like look at that as the beautiful place to say, look, this is actually how you're supposed to engage. But yeah. Um, I don't know. I appreciated Trump's absence. Oh, I'm glad he was gone. He ended his presidency how he started it. It would have soured the day if he was there for me. I think that it's petty. I think that it's childish. I think that it's immature. I think it's narcissistic. I think he's a jackass. I think he, I, all the things you said are, I hope them to also be true. And I appreciated his absence. I appreciated that as well. Stay in Mar-a-Lago, sir. All right, so the time has come and the hour is nigh. It is time for some of y'all to repent and be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Y'all's conduct at the inauguration was just unsatisfactory. It was a borderline disrespectful, so we need to have some words. KT, Pastor Sam, Malcolm David, who is on the inauguration bench? I want to start by putting cynicism on the bench. For me, today was... um, a powerful reminder that there has to be a way forward for us, for all of us. What I heard today in in Biden's inauguration address was a call to to move forward together, um, to give one another a chance. And that raised all kinds of questions for me about the relationship between justice and reconciliation. We've talked on this podcast at length about this before. And I think um, those are just really sticky things. And I, I don't know that we've resolved those conversations in the past. I don't know that we will today. But what I heard from Joe Biden today was, if you didn't vote for me, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Um, And I also heard him extend an olive branch to those people as well. So he asked something of them, but also um, offered something to them. I think the other thing that that just really stuck out to me is that, you know, Biden said, um, essentially, in, in more words, but we're all in this together. And in the past, when we have not lived up to our ideals, there have been enough people in this country who came together and fought not just for peace, but for justice. I think he accurately named that that dream has never been fully realized, but he also called us to come together and, and to work for it. And I, um, I, for one, was really moved by that. I also recognize how hard that will be Um, I recognize that there is a danger in moving far too quickly just to reconciliation and to not demanding justice for Donald Trump and for his enablers. And I think that that has to be a part of our moving forward. Um, But I also want to push against our our tendency among all of us, uh, every one of us in this country, towards cynicism. There's been a lot to be cynical about 
in these last four years. And I'm sure there will be more to be cynical about moving forward. Um, but for me, today was a day of optimism and of hope. And so I wanna put cynicism on the bench, at least for a day. I want us to think about what it looks like to turn the page and to, again, not set aside all of the legitimate anger that, that exists about the injustice in our country, but to say the best way to address that injustice is by attacking it together. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I'm not an optimist. I never have been an optimist. I, I like to think of myself as hopeful. I like to think of myself as determined. But what I also consider myself is a realist. And I acknowledge that I'm a realist on the verge of pessimism most days. And I think for me, like, what I love doing during all these events is Black Twitter. Because I think what black people, in my experience, are able to do is to hold all of that intention at the same time. And so like, I had a friend tweet and she was like, yo, I'm seeing a lot of different stuff. We, like, we don't have to go at each other. All of these things can be true at the same time. It can be true that we are hopeful. It can also be true that this is bullshit. It can be true that Michelle's swoop is the bomb. It can also be true that this is a little bit over the top. Like, I think I love the fact that because of just the everydayness of black existence, many times we have to live in a way that pulls in both hopefulness and realism. And so like, I think for me, that was part of my struggle with it is like the language that was present in this celebration I think it moved beyond hope and in some instances did move to optimism. Yeah, I think there were the moments where in they kind of reeled it back in and said, yeah, we still got to pull the country back together. But I think rhetorically, it's really, really, really difficult to paint that sort of of a picture of how, just how rough it is. I mean, think about like the, the cameras didn't show the military that was surrounding the Capitol. The cameras didn't show all of the extra precautions that had to be taken to ensure that there wasn't another mutiny or riot at the hands of Trump supporters. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can get with cynicism being on the bench. I guess in some ways that means I'm on the bench. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it won't be the first time your ass been on the bench. <laughs> right, right. Brandon, I think what you just said definitely captures kind of how I feel. Like I, I, I can put cynicism on the bench. I can put cynics on the bench. Um, but I don't want those folks to be confused with like, folks who are realists, folks who are suspicious, folks who are careful and cautious because uh, some of the, some of those things to be able to articulate some of those things are luxuries that not every person has in some cases. You know, some people have to be more suspicious. Some people have to be um, more diligent and vigilant in um, how they guard their peace and guard, you know, uh, certain things. And so, and so I, 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 it was a helpful articulation, Brandon, in breaking down, kind of making sure that we don't conflate uh, cynicism or cynics with folks who are just kind of like a bit apprehensive, apprehensive or suspicious or, you know, just just cautious. Thinking about black Twitter, like if you go through and read like black people's tweets from the day. What I loved is like there was so there were, there was so much joy. I don't know how this functions in white communities. I don't do white Twitter. I just do black Twitter. So I don't really know what white people are saying right now. But I think for me, like there's there, there's even a joyfulness in black people's cynicism, and there's joyfulness in black people's pessimism. Because like I read things and I'm like, ooh, they read this person for filth, and it is hilarious. And there's joy that actually comes from that collective expression of um, whatever the perspective is. If it's something that might be labeled a cynicism, like there still is a joyfulness about it. And 
sort of the solidarity that can be built in some communities. If, if you just sitting down here, what was me, Eeyore style, maybe you've earned that. Maybe that's the place where your life has taken you. I'm going to encourage you to sit on the mourner's bench in a compassionate way and figure out how you, you know, do that in a more nuanced way. But if your cynicism is a source of like laughing to keep from crying, baby, keep on doing that thing because I don't know your story. So I can't have your glory. It's Shatayana Masih. I'm sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my tongue, my, my holy tongue came out. I'm sorry. I'm back. The Holy Ghost came in my soul. So this person that uh, I want to put on the bench is not actually, this didn't happen today. It happened yesterday. So it's very closely connected to uh, the inauguration. So I actually want to put Mike Pompeo on the bench. Say more. Yesterday, Pompeo tweeted this. He said, wokeism, multiculturalism, all the isms, they're not who America is. He said they distort our glorious founding and what this country is all about. Then he goes on to say, uh, these things make us weaker. The sad reality is that this viewpoint, I believe, is the Magna Carta of American white supremacy. The erasure of distinct cultural and racial markers that make us particular is the ultimate goal of white supremacy. So when white folks like this talk about unity, what they are really talking about is not actually unity, it's uniformity. Because there is no unity without particularity. Unity is bringing all the particulars together. How can you have unity uh, if you have no particularity, no individualism, no African in the American, no Asian in the American, no native in the American. And so uh, Mike Pompeo and all of those who believe uh, in this that he spoke, I'm putting all of that on the bench. Yeah, I mean, the quote that comes to mind when you said that was like, unity is myth, solidarity is strategy. Like, I still get a little bit of the heebie-jeebies about the word unity, just because I think it is a um, term that has so much historical baggage. And so, like, I'm always after how can we build solidarity between ourselves? Because solidarity takes even more seriously for me the specificity um, of each of our lives and the fact that there's actually going to be some struggles. Like, I think still I get it. When I hear people talk about unity, there's still that image of like, oh my gosh, like Kumbaya, my Lord. And I'm like, no, we're not singing Kumbaya at this particular moment. Let's talk about like how the fact that my black gay agenda may feel like um, anathema to your black agenda, your black straight agenda. Um, like, let's talk about the fact that we're going to have to figure out how we work across those differences in order to, be unified and or have solidarity between us. So I'm with you, Sam. Sam, the good news is I think the Communist Party of China is um, on the same page with you. I heard this afternoon that Mike Pompeo uh, got barred from China. They like put sanctions against him. Um, and I think it was like, was it 28 different members of the former members? Praise be to God, we can now say that. Uh, former members of the Trump administration who are literally never allowed on Chinese soil again, which I think is awesome. Sam and the Chinese Communist Party in agreement. On the same page? On one accord, <laughs> serving the same Lord. <laughs> I'm in good company. I'm United in their disdain of Mike Pompeo. <laughs> KT, who's on the bench? 
Well, you guys are all real serious. I was going to take us uh, in a different direction. Take us light, baby. Take us light, honey. I, the thing is, I've been trying to figure out which Clinton I wanted to put on the bench. I'm leaning towards. Both well, of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. Both we of just them. put both of them on there, but I think Bill probably needs to. No, uh, you got to say it black. Both of them. Both <laughs> of them? No, you still ain't going to. Uh, take that of off. Uh, that of ain't supposed to be in there. It's both. one word. Of them. Both, oh, both of them. Like an oven where you bake your... Both of them. Both of them. Girl, just keep going. I ain't trying to... I ain't tr- I'm only trying to be myself. Um, and thank you. We're going to thank you for letting you be yourself. Why are you putting the Clintons on the bench? Well, you know, I was dying. All these nice married couples walking in. They're all like the woman's holding on to the man and everybody's all cuddly. Well, Hillary Clinton, like, totally ignored Bill Clinton the entire day. Like, he was trying to reach out and grab her hand like everybody else does. That woman, like, pulled her hand away. He's, like, trying to put his, her hand, his hand on her back, and she's, like, walking a little faster. Like, I watched him walk out. She never acknowledged his existence in the world. So, I just think it's funny, but... They need to spend some time on the bench with a so marriage is, counselor. Is it like, or, like a honeymoon bench? Like a renewing uh, our vows bench? I don't think they're anywhere near the bath. Maybe not even a marriage counselor. Maybe they just need to work with the mediator. But that was, it was something. I feel like Hillary, had, if she could have slapped a few people today, she would have slapped Bill and said, you know, you're part of the reason yep. that I'm not, I'm not, you know, having a second inauguration today. She would have slapped Bernie. Uh, it's a few people that she probably, probably would have slapped uh, today. Oh, yeah. See, my but- whole theory is for those who've watched the, uh, what's it called? House of Cards on Netflix. For those who have watched House of Cards on Netflix, Bill and Hillary are Frank and Claire Underwood. Frank and Claire was married for purely political reasons. They didn't really see it for each other beyond their political goals. And what Hillary was sitting up there looking like is, you bid not dare hold my hand because I did all that shit for you for all these years. And you knew I was in the background running all this. You knew that you wasn't smart without me. You knew you couldn't handle the country without me. And then when it was my turn, I got passed up by a Negro named Barack. And then it was my turn again. That little uh, Jewish man named Bernie messed me up too. And then it was my turn again. Then Donald Trump tried to, like, she was over there fuming because she was like, this is mine. <laughs> she, she, she's like, I have colonized politics. She that didn't. is. This is my kingdom. <laughs> this is my kingdom. Why am I not on my throne? That's what that was, Katie. So I think I'm going to put Sonia Sotomayor on the bench. Sonia, yes. you had one job. One job. One Sonia. job. Swear in the first woman, the first black woman, the first black human, the first Indian, the first Indian woman, the first of anything other than a white man to inhabit the vice presidency. That's all you had to do. And you messed it up. We have all been sitting here for the last two years saying her name. Over and over again. She told y'all when she first came out, I'm Kamala Harris for the people. And honey, Sonia, you said Kamala. And honey, the way Kamala looked at you through them squinty eyes, 
<laughs> and she repeated after you. She channeled every black person in America, every black woman whose teacher has mispronounced their name, every Indian who has had to take an English name because it was easier for the white teacher to say. She channeled every black mother whose child's name has been mispronounced at graduation. And she looked at you, <laughs> Sonia, and she said in her head, you didn't hear it, but all the black people heard it. She said, I'm going to get you back for this. <laughs> so don't be mad, Sonia. Don't be mad when you sitting there one day and you hear Kamala saying, Sunia, Sunia, <laughs> Justice Satamayor, don't get mad because that look she shot you lets you know she's coming for that ass first chance she get. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next year. It may be when she's the first black woman, Indian woman to be the president of the United States, but she going to call that name. And when she comes for you, don't say nothing. Just sit your ass on this bench and repent. You can actually hear Kamala like breathing in through her nose, like <laughs> about ready to like lay in. But she just kept it in and just said her name, pointed. She she's coming back for you. This reminds me. Was it was it Obama's inauguration that Chief Justice John Roberts? I think it was his first. No. Was it his first inauguration mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. messed up like the oath so horrible that he went back and redid it? They had to redo it, yep. Because it was so bad? Like, I oh my this. gosh. I missed all of that. there. Maybe yeah. Sonia Sotomayor will uh, go back and uh, redo the uh, the oath with, with Kamala. <laughs> she needs to, honey, because that messed up that moment. That is forever in history. Kamala, ma'am, ma'am. <laughs> Kama, love. That's it. Who else is on the bench? Well, I was going to say, speaking of the oath, you know, it's supposed to happen at high noon, right? Like 12 on the dot. And um, <laughs> <laughs> they gave Biden the oath at 1148 a.m. So either, either Justice Roberts was like, we are getting this man out 12 minutes early or the person who runs there, like I call it a run of show, right? You got to have who's doing what right and after each other, and you have the time frame. Uh, who is the whatever announcer I was listening to at some point before it all started said, we're four and a half minutes behind. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so somebody's got a plan somewhere, but it's like an order of the day. Like they'll stop everything, whatever's going on at noon. They need a bulletin. Yeah, there's like a it's there. Yeah. The news mentioned at the beginning that everything was like perfectly timed out so that the oath would happen at noon. And so I think what happened was usually the the outgoing president is there. And so out of respect, they don't swear the new president in early because they're still the president. And so maybe they was like, well, hell, Trump, they should, as a matter of fact, they should have given the oath. That should have been the first thing. If you ask me, <laughs> but you know, but maybe that's it. So, like, typically, you have to do all the pomp and circumstance of the current president. Like, but that, he does, that, the current that, president that, doesn't say anything. But, or, but doesn't that person process in typically? Yeah, that's true. And Trump, Trump would have taken twelve minutes. I promise. That's you. what I'm saying. Like, he, so Trump would have <laughs> taken all twelve minutes. He would have been spray tanned at every single step. Just to, he would have made sure his hair was together at every single step. But, but, but if that wasn't enough, though, so let's we give him the oath early. Then nobody knew what was going on. Like they sat there. 
looking at each other. Somebody said, my time is at 12.07. <laughs> I ain't even going. I ain't going to 12.07. Come on, show. <laughs> Some friends of mine were like, that's the time where we take a deep cleansing breath. I was like, that's fine as long as you call it out. But nobody knew what the hell was going on. So I'm putting the planners on the bench. That's all I'm saying. So I want to actually put Garth Brooks. Why are you gonna steal? You gonna steal my? Why bench. are you trying to steal my joy? Go ahead. I knew it was gonna put Garth Brooks on the bench, partially because I did not like his rendition of Amazing Grace. I thought it was a bit dry and not my cup of tea. That's very kind. <laughs> but also because he thought he was at a concert and he ran up the stairs after he finished singing. <laughs> like, hello, sir. This is not a country music concert in Beaumont, Texas. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, you are at an inauguration for the United States president. Like, what is happening? He was special. Yeah, he was, like, running up for the next wardrobe change or something. (laughs) See, I'm going to do my read right now. So, I'm I'm also putting his ass on the bench uh, because Garth, old Garth, you on the bench for two reasons for me. First, who on God's green earth told you it was okay to lead the people in a congregational song? That was not on my bulletin that you're going to say everybody sing the fourth verse together. These people do not know the Lord. These people are not all Christians. These people do not all know this hymn. Everybody don't need to be singing this song. My guess is nobody told you to do that. Nobody. Yet and still, you sat up here and you sang the worst rendition of Amazing Grace ever. Why did you not respectfully decline this invitation? But maybe I should be putting the inauguration planning committee on the bench alongside Katie because of all the black women who voted for Joseph Robinette Biden and Kamala Harris. (laughs) Come on, Sonya. I know there was at least 25 black women who could have done better. Y'all had Lady Gaga out here with her Hunger Games brooch. You had Jennifer Lopez out here with her all little winter white who ain't ever been able to sing. And then you had Garth damn Brooks. Hell, y'all could have had somebody from choir number two in the Baptist church around the corner to come and sing better than Garth Brooks. And y'all chose these people. But Garth, you still ain't off the bench even though it's the planning committee's fault because after you finished singing your congregational hymn, not only did you run up the stairs like you was in concert trying to do a concert, do a costume change, you hugged and kissed multiple people on the platform as you left. I know you excited. I know you overjoyed. But we are still in the midst of a global pandemic and we cannot have you kissing people with no COVID cooties. You spreading COVID. Maybe the secret was and maybe the secret is that everybody on the stage was already vaccinated but still we didn't know that. Stop kissing people with your COVID cooties and sit your ass behind sit your behind down on somewhere in Nashville, Tennessee. You know your mama don't like all that cussing. I'm just saying, Garth, you on the bench. I, man, I, w- I will say he should have run off the stage for a, a costume change. <laughs> who, who wears jeans to an inauguration? Oh, my God. I, Garth Brooks. Honestly, I was, I was going to put Garth Brooks's jeans on, on the bench. <laughs> like, I mean, everybody, like, this is the most important day of like the last four years like bro put on some slacks like wear a tie i mean come on man he's tacky we put we got a wardrobe bench in in the the brooch (laughs) and jeans (laughs) on the wardrobe bench speaking of wardrobe i got another one did y'all see alpha alpha at the inauguration you are bad (laughs) y'all didn't see him They let him speak in the place of Joe Biden. He gave the inaugural address. Y'all didn't see it? No, you didn't. Let me tell you why. Because it didn't happen. What did happen was Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. (laughs) 
<laughs> you a mess. <laughs> Whoever was in charge of Joe's hair is on the bench. Y'all know his hair is barely there. And you know it's subject to fly off at any moment. And you knew it was windy outside. All of y'all felt that wind blowing as you walked into the Capitol. Why didn't anyone think to spray that hair down? Give him some hairspray. Give him some hair grease, damn it. But don't have that man out there looking like Alpha, Alpha with his hair blowing a little in the wind, like gone with the wind. Fabulous. It had to be a straight woman on here today. It had to be a straight woman. It couldn't have been no gay man. Where was Pete? Where was Peter Paul Montgomery Buttigieg? This man done made you the first openly gay man to serve on the president's cabinet as a secretary of transportation, and you couldn't even fulfill your one gay duty of spraying his hair down. Wait, he didn't see him. He didn't see him before today. This was a nod to President Trump. They were saying, you know, uh, we go. Uh, his hair gonna be as bad as your hair has been these last four years. No, <laughs> that's disrespectful. I think they were just trying to avoid. They were trying to <laughs> from Mike Pence. From the, it was like, don't put too much on there. It'll turn into like a greasy trap. You know, if anything that blows by. He childish. Pete looking like my hair is all in place. Y'all could have had me with this little cleanly cropped little uh, brown giving you a little straight vibe hair. But you got this old man with this windy dusty gone with the wind fabulous hair strand floating in the air like Alpha Alpha. Whoever did his hair, you on the bench. I also want to say that when I say I want people to die. (laughs) Here we go. it It doesn't mean I want them to be killed or murdered. I'm simply saying People die. You know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, the cycle of life. Sam. People die. Sam. And I just believe. You're not making it better. And I just believe the right people or certain people should die if dying must indeed happen. That's why we have a Grim Reaper bench. And since we have a, a, a Grim Reaper bench and since we have a black woman a heartbeat away from the presidency, Oh, no, you are not. (laughs) Samuel Lee White III. I don't feel bad about it. Sam. If he goes in the next three years, we will send him off well. He has lived a full life. And I will celebrate the first black and the first woman, first black woman, as the next president of the United States. I wish him health, but if he goes, he goes. I'm not sad. Listen, I buried my dad and did not shed one tear, and I knew that man. <laughs> that doesn't make it and loved better. That man. <laughs> this does not make it better. So, uh, Joe, we wish you long, prosperous life. But if the Grim Reaper come get you, you did well. Why are you like this? I'm just saying. You are horrible. Death is a part of life. Listen, the way our patriarchy is set up. Uh, we might not have a woman president for in my lifetime. If if a joke got to go in order for us to get one, I'm okay with that. Take one for the team, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. You just called him to actively engage. Like, she said I wanted to be natural causes, and then I said Joe take one for the team. I'm confused. Which one do you want? You know, Sam. I regret nothing I said. I'm clear that you don't. That's what makes it worse. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of death, while we're in the midst of a global pandemic, we got all these people pulling off their uh, masks in order to speak in a microphone that has like one of those cloth uh, covers on it. So all those little particles are 
hanging in there for somebody to breathe in between their breath and pass COVID around. So they got some dude who about halfway through starts cleaning up the cleaning up the podium. But I don't know if you guys heard it, but it is like a dry, um, a dry rag. It's like he's going like completely dry. There's no, you hear the whole thing. There is no sanitizer on that. He's not using a Clorox wipe. He's like using somebody's sandpaper. It's it's not cleaning this. He never touches the microphone. So every single human who went up there is like feeling and touching all the COVID particles from every single person who spoke. So... I'm putting, I'm putting that sweet man who had only dry rags up there to see. That was the usher ministry. You remember we talked about the ushers and how they got to go and make sure that the path is all right with the water and so the white people suck at that. Clearly, because he didn't have nothing but some but a dry uh, Kleenex. He didn't have no Clorox wipe. He didn't have no Lysol spray. He didn't have not even the green shit that don't even clean nothing. He got up there with a Kleenex and tried to wipe down the podium. And yes, that microphone, that microphone was an issue. I kept looking like. Everybody going up here, and then that priest up there with the wet mouth. Did y'all hear him the whole time up there with that wet mouth trying to talk into the microphone? He he put all of his COVID on the microphone, and then they had the nerve to get up there. That's why Gaga had that gold mic. She said, Mm-mm, "I was here for the rehearsal. That man got a wet mouth. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> I will not go up there after him, even if the Ursha wipes down the podium with a real, real, real dry rag. Don't do it." <laughs> Man, I, so Garth Brooks's jeans were my other one. <laughs> <laughs> see, Garth, you can't catch a break. Garth, you, do you see how many? This is the first time in Mourner's Bench history that somebody has been placed on the bench multiple times. Sam put you on the bench. I put you on the bench. Malcolm put you on the bench. And not only did Malcolm put you on the bench, Malcolm put your jeans on the bench. bench. You put your jeans on the bench. I had him on my list too. So we, every single one of us was putting Garth Brooks on the bench. Yeah. See, that, that, that's the Holy Ghost. These are the moments that I believe in Jesus and the Holy Ghost <laughs> because all four of us were on one yeah. accord yeah. in the ministry of putting Garth Brooks on the bench. And I'm going to jump on that planning team because for these type of events, you know, when they're very prestigious events, usually there's a some type of uh, something that accompanies your invitation, letting you know what the expectation is. Uh, Black tie affair. <laughs> no jeans. No jeans. No jeans. Sure, that should be understood, but it's Garth Brooks. You should have known. I mean, I did I did slick hope that Kamala had on some fire ass chucks underneath that dress I because did. she is I the did. Chuck vice president. But she put on a mean heel on him. But I mean, I feel like if you want I feel like he, Garth Brooks is trying to bring the uh inauguration to the people. Yeah, nothing to do with that. You're right. He was just I I bet you Garth Brooks <laughs> forgot that it was happening. And he said, Oh shit, I gotta get up there to DC right quick. Let me jump on my tour. Let me let me jump on my tour bus. <laughs> he was in the, he was in town last week anyway. Oh, oh, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Where was he in two weeks ago? <laughs> in in DC. That's what Katie's saying. He was there two weeks ago. On January sixth, I was Oh, you so disrespectful. Oh, you so slow. <laughs> you was like, What? What happened two weeks ago? That's maybe that's why he was running. Maybe he was like, I know the plan. I'm in the telegram group. I'm in the signals. 
I know that they about to come up in here. Maybe he was Judas. Maybe that's why he was kissing the people. He says, the person that I kiss is the one you need to get. And he kissed all of them. I done read about the QAnon groups. The QAnon groups on the telegrams was mad. They were sitting there mourning. And if you you in a QAnon group and you listen to this little podcast, let me just say that Sam lives... <laughs> Maybe Garth was the leader. He was the initiator in his I, genes. You know what? I, I read today. So I, the New York Times had a story about uh, like what's been happening in all the Telegram groups today. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was fat. If y'all have not read it, I go. It is fascinating to read. There were a lot of people who were like. You know, you follow some bogus preacher and he's like, the Lord is coming back on this asteroid and it's going to happen on, you know, July the 17th at, you know, 580, whatever, like whatever. They have like the exact date and time, like it's all set, it's all going to happen. And then that day comes and nothing happens. And then people got to figure out like, well, okay, like what's our new lie, you know? Right. And so they all just like literally started lying to each other today about like, oh, actually, you know what, Joe Biden is a part of the plan. And Donald <laughs> yes. Trump actually like tapped Joe Biden to then expose all of the like pedophile, rapist, globalist liberals. Like, this I mean, is like, real? You're no, not just real. making this up. No, 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 this, this is, is real. Not... I'm, I'm actually looking at the same thing in Huffington Post right now. Like yeah, he, he's, this... he's quoting from something. Yeah. So oh my like, gosh. Like so literally, I mean, so some people were like literally just coming up with brand new lies right on the spot. And other people were like, Oh my God! None of this was ever real. Yeah, like that. Like because these people have been like promising that inauguration day was going to be like the great awakening. They've been claiming that for like for months and months. And so there were a lot of people who were like legitimately amazed that Joe Biden was actually inaugurated today, and other people who were like, "Nah, he's part of the plan." I'm just saying, at some point in time, the same thing gonna happen for everybody that read them Left Behind novels. They're gonna be like, wait a minute, this was all not true? <laughs> yeah. I feel like Q is just revelations for white people. <laughs> Q QAnon is basically yeah. when the rapture and the apocalypse mean black people and brown people are humans. The world is over. <laughs> so here's the last one for the day. And this is gonna be a mourner's bench first. I am going to take someone off of the mourner's bench bernard sanders also known as bernie get your ass off this bench did y'all see that meme of a little bernie floating around on the internets bernie was sitting over there in his good church folding chair pouting he over there mad sitting over there with his exclusive inauguration charlie brown mittens pissed to the high heavens This man had the nerve to show up at the inauguration with the largest mittens ever and no hat. Now, he know that it was going to be looking, that people's going to be looking at him. He knows people was going to be looking at him. And he pulled out the oldest, dirtiest, nastiest winter coat he could find and had Jane knit him some good old nasty mittens. And he sat over there still mad about the pandemic, the primaries, and the new president. Bernie, for some reason, you put yourself on this here bench. Maybe you put yourself over there because you know just how ridiculous it is that you mad about this shit. Maybe you put yourself on there because you, e- you even 
you were tired of being mad about something that you knew wasn't ever going to happen. Maybe there is a reason for you to be there and we don't know it. But Bernie, I'm taking you off of the Jewish equivalent of the mourner's bench. You can leave whenever you want or stay as long as you need to. But whenever you're ready to get back out there with your idealistic, no policy right and self, pandering to black people with Killer Mike on the road, you are welcome to do so. But get off the bench. So you got to also add that he's mad he's not the labor secretary. Oh, did he think he was going to get that? He was auditioning for that role. He was like, make me the labor secretary. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that was going to happen. I think he got real hopeful when they made Pete the transportation secretary because you know Pete can't drive. <laughs> he was like, Pete can't drive shit. Of course I can be the labor secretary. Because <laughs> you know people be homophobic. They're like, gay people can't drive. <laughs> of, course, of course I can be the secretary of labor. <laughs> they was awesome. You know what? I'm mad at Amy Klobuchar too. I'm sorry. That heifer cut off the bills. <laughs> One, who made you the mistress of ceremony? Who told you to get up here and preside over the service? No, I would invite her to 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 provide over a church service. She she brought something to it that, that wouldn't have been there if it was anyone else. And I especially loved after Gaga and Jennifer Lopez, she walked up to the mic and said, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> What's she say, Sam? How'd she say? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> She actually had a personality. Not very many other people standing up there had a personality. <laughs> she said, that was great. <laughs> that was great. And then she kept going like one of those things. Like, oh my God. Yeah. But I'm still mad because she cut off, she, she should have cut off Gaga and Lopez. Instead, she cut off Lift Every Voice and Sing. Y'all heard them bells chiming as she started talking. How you gonna cut off my hymn? That's the one We ain't had no black people And then the bells Gonna sing Lift every voice and sing And you gonna cut off the bells I'm not gonna say We didn't have no We didn't have no black people Singing is what you were saying Okay, okay. That's what I said Bunny bread <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said We didn't have no black people Period Garth Brooks Jennifer Lopez And Gaga Ain't nothing Ain't nothing One of them black but them bells was black and she cut them off. Mm -mm. That's why you ain't the vice president. It don't matter. She was giddy. She was happy to be there too. She was like Gaga. She was like, I was so happy. <laughs> That's great. That was great. <laughs> I feel like Amy Klobuchar needs to make that her next campaign. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap on our inauguration altar call extravaganza. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave a little rating and a little review. And if you're listening anywhere else, go ahead and smash that subscribe button at the top of your feed. Your phone will notify you every single time there's a new episode. You'll never have to guess. We'll be back next Tuesday with our conversation with Dr. Lisa Weaver. Until then, peace. Word to your mother. Do it one more time. Do it one more time. Just one more time. Make me the labor secretary. <laughs>